One of the most frequent questions that I am asked as a pastor uh, is, is something along these lines. Are we living in the end times? People want to know the answer to that question. Are we living in the end times? And one of the interesting things about the people who ask me that question is most of them who ask me that question are unchurched people. People who are unsaved, unchurched, but yet they are observant as to what's going on in the world around them and they know enough of the Word of God to ask the question, are we living in the end times? And there is no doubt we are, church. We are living in the end times, the last days. And I believe as believers, we need to be aware of the signs of the times. Because they are everywhere. Uh, that was a song back in 1978 that prompted the title to this particular sermon. Uh, signs of the time are everywhere. And they certainly are. Now, I have a curiosity about the future and I do have a love for biblical prophecy. And so I often find myself returning to these passages in the Bible that talk to us about the latter days or the end times. And here's what I like to say. I've said this from the pulpit before. I like to say that I'm not a latter day saint, but I am a present day saint who likes to study the latter days. Are you with me? So, okay, that's good. So this morning, I'd like for us to read and study what the New Testament says about the end times or the latter days. We're going to start in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul said. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Now, this passage begins with Paul assuring us that his information is from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and is unmistakably clear. He says, the Spirit expressly says, or the Spirit clearly says that in latter times. So let's talk about that little phrase, latter times. That phrase occurs frequently in the Bible to indicate the days preceding the return of Jesus Christ. It is found in the New Testament several times, at least five, and all of these passages gives us signs of the times or predictions or clues as to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, this interests me. Does it you? Okay, would you look that way then? Act, act like you're halfway interested. And, and because it interests us, let's read a couple of these passages, okay? Let's find out what the Bible says are the signs of the time. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Peter says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? So in the last days, scoffers are going to question, is he really coming again? Where is his coming? How about 1 John 2, 18? John wrote, little children, it is the last time. Some translations say the last hour. 
And as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time or the last hour. So the Antichrist is coming, but right now there are many Antichrists, and we'll talk about them in a moment. What about 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5? Paul said, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Some translations use the word perilous. There will be perilous times or terrible times in the last days. Are we there yet? (laughs) It's pretty terrible, I can tell you that. He goes on to give these signs of the time. Here, Here they are. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents. Hey, you were too. That didn't go over very well, did it? Ungrateful, unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then here's this warning, have nothing to do with those kind of people. You stay far away from them. Now, all of these passages I read point out several signs of the times. But Paul mentions only one signs of the time back in our original passage from 1 Timothy chapter 4. And it is one that we don't frequently talk about. That being the coming apostasy that will occur in the church. Wow. Wow. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter days, in the end days, some will depart from the faith. And the word depart or abandon is a translation of the Greek term from which we get our English word apostasy from. Really, what Paul is saying is in, in the end days, in the last days, some within the church will apostatize. They will commit apostasy. And what does the word apostasy mean? Well, it simply means they will depart from the faith. This is pretty serious stuff, isn't it? It's pretty heavy. Well, it's going to get heavier before it gets lighter, so hang in there with me, all right? In other words, in the days before the coming of Jesus Christ, There will be many so-called Christians who turn a cold shoulder to genuine Christianity. Paul goes on to say they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. In other words, they will fall prey to people who are themselves being controlled and manipulated by demons. Now, that just sends chills up and down my spine. And you know where that's going to happen? Right here in the church. Right in the church. Verse 2 continues. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared 
as with a hot iron. Apparently, those who turned away from the faith felt at first some pangs in their conscience, but they ignored the inner voice of their conscience, and pretty soon their conscience became calloused and hardened and desensitized, and they lost all feeling. Guys, let me tell you, that happens to us when we say yes to a little sin and then yes again and yes again, and then we do it so many times that We've adopted it into our lifestyle, and we have become desensitized to the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. They lost all feeling. You know, th this brings up a pretty important question that I wish we had a long time to discuss. I'm just briefly going to mention it, but it, it, how does our conscience work? Now, I believe God has given us our conscience. Conscience is a good thing. We all need, you need to listen to your conscience more. <laughs> But how in the world does that work? Well, the, I think the best description is a word picture that I can give you. Years ago, I, I was visiting a friend, kind of lived out in the country, and uh, had a big place, big, big, huge yard behind his house, and he had several big dogs back there. But there was no fence, no wooden fence, no chain link fence, no fence of any kind. But I noticed that his dog stayed within a boundary or a perimeter. And finally, curiosity got the best of me, and I asked him a question. I says, you don't have a fence. How do those dogs stay within this boundary? He says, oh, but I do have a fence. I said, I don't see a fence. He says, well, there's one underground. There is a wire that is buried under the ground that goes in the perimeter of what my backyard is. And you'll notice that on all of my dogs, there's a wide collar. There are two things on that collar. One is a little box that beeps. And the other thing are two little prongs right there at their Adam's apple. And if they get close to that invisible wire that's underground, it will begin, their collar will begin beeping. It's, it's telling them, you're getting into forbidden territory. Don't go any further. And if they continue to go further, they're going to get the shock of their life. <laughs> they, they may have outlawed those things now. I don't, dog activist groups, I don't know. But Here's what he said. He said, my dogs are pretty smart. It only took them a couple of times and they learned the lesson. When they hear the beep, they stop. Okay? Now, a person's conscience is, is kind of like the beeping sound of that caller. Our conscience is an inner voice that warns us that we're near forbidden territory. And if we keep going, we'll soon be on the wide and broad road that leads to destruction. Man, it just kind of begs me to stop right here and never ask you the question. Have you ever been in a place, in a, in a setting, a situation, and all of a sudden you just felt like, I don't need to be here. This is, this is an environment I don't need to be in. Huh? That's what's happening. The beep is going off. I told the first service, right after Angie and I got married, but man, Ken, we were poor. We were as poor as we could be. I was a youth pastor. And we didn't, we didn't make a whole lot of money. But anyway, I wanted to take her on a date, and so we went to a movie. It was the cheap movie, the $2 movie. And um, we didn't go to many movies back in that day, but we went to this movie. We thought it was going to be a good one. It wasn't rated bad. It didn't have a bad rating. It was about snow skiing. We thought, man, what could go wrong with this? We were only in that theater like five, six, seven minutes, and we looked at each other, and we knew we didn't need to be in there from what we were seeing on the screen. We knew that we didn't need to be there. And so you know what we did? We got up and walked out. 
I lost my four bucks, Wes. <laughs> That's the way our conscience works. It tells us, hey, you don't need to be here. However, listen to this. If we ignore the beeping of our conscience after a while, you're not going to be able to hear it anymore. We can't feel those little jolts of electricity that are warning us. Now, can I take this off because I'm about to get with it, man? Can I tell you how this works in practicality? When I was a kid, they didn't put trash on TV, number one. You know, it wasn't there. It's all over. It's everywhere now. But here's the problem. You watch it. What you wouldn't have watched 30 years ago, you let right into your living room today. Because you've seen it so many times over and over and over again. The beep has sounded so many times in your living room that you finally just ignored the beep and now you're allowing it into your living room and into your mind. Am I prodding? It's how it works, guys. And the th listen to me, the things that were appalling to us as a church and as believers 30 years ago are accepted today. Even within a very conservative free will Baptist denomination, we have allowed, we, listen, we have allowed the concepts and the philosophies of the world into our own homes and even into our own church. That's why, as Miss Angie said, brother, let me tell you, you need what you believe and why you believe it. Because your faith will be attacked in this world. And the Bible clearly teaches that in the last days, an apostate church will arise when men and women will be religious, but they are denying the basic tenets of genuine Christianity. And I've listed four of them for you. First of all, in the latter days, there will be a denial of Jesus Christ. This is where it all begins. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, the apostle John warns, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. And now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Now, what this passage is describing are counterfeit teachers who spring up within a church. And you know what? It's like a counterfeit bill. They're telling some of the truth, but it's not the whole truth. Every once in a while, maybe every year or so, we'll hear of, uh, of counterfeit bills being passed around in the River Valley. Uh, whether or not uh, people actually know they're counterfeit or they make them in their own garage and try to use them. I think some athletes in, in Fayetteville realized that was a bad thing to do, you know. But, but people will do it. They'll pass uh, counterfeit bills. And some of this counterfeit money is so good, it takes an expert to distinguish between the real thing and what is fake, what is counterfeit. And, and that's what this passage is warning about. There will be counterfeit teachers who come in to churches, and what they speak sounds good. It sounds like the truth, but what they're doing is very subtly distorting the Word of God and changing it. And it usually begins with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. I don't know if y'all remember seeing a pathetic documentary that the PBC put together a couple of years ago. It purported to trace Christianity back to its roots. They based their documentary exclusively on the views of liberal scholars 
totally ignoring the brilliant world of evangelical and conservative scholarship. The end result of this documentary that they said was true is that they stripped Jesus Christ of his true identity and presented him as merely a good teacher who got himself crucified and he did not rise from the dead. That's the teaching of the Antichrist. They're anti-Jesus Christ. They try to take Jesus and make him like a good old boy. Let me tell you, Jesus is more than just a good old boy. He is the Son of God. Secondly, there's number two. I was on number three, two. Y'all watching me? What's this? Secondly, there will be a denial of Christ's return. Again, Peter said this in 2 Peter chapter 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it was from the beginning of creation. So right before Jesus comes again... The world will be full of scoffers saying, oh, you Christians, he's not coming. He said he was coming. Everything just keeps going on as it is. He's he not coming back. Now, we would fight to defend he is coming back, wouldn't we? Do you believe he's coming back? Church, do you believe Jesus is coming back? Do you believe, listen, before you clap, do you believe he could come back today? And I think most of us would duke it out with the devil himself to defend that view that Jesus could come back and that Jesus is coming back. We say we believe it with our mouths, but do we live like it every day? But let me tell you, those are two different things. Because you can say, yeah, I believe Jesus is coming, but are you really living like this could be the day? Now number three. Right before Jesus comes again, there will be a denial of the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Jude is a little book at the end of the Bible. He's also a kid that belongs to Jason and Joy. Here's what Jude warns in chapter 1, verse 4. And I love the way the NLT presents it. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Isn't that descriptive? Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. And there is the heresy. That's the heresy he's talking about. These ungodly people worming their way into the church, teaching heresy. That you know what? You can live any way you want to live because the grace is going to cover it. It's not, that's not what the Bible teaches. Yes, His grace is sufficient. And His grace will cover your sins. But that is not a license for you to continue to sin. So it's heresy. But notice where this comes from. The verse goes on to say, The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So, church, do you see the progression? First, they deny that Jesus is Lord. That was the first thing we talked about, denying Jesus as Lord. 
And after you deny Jesus as Lord, you know, you know what? This can mean anything you want it to mean. And so they deny the basic tenets of the faith. Finally, number four, right before Jesus comes, there will be a denial of holiness. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 says, Just as it was in the days of who? In the days of Noah. So also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People will be eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered into the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of? People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day that Lot left Sodom, fire and brimstone rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So the Bible says, Jesus says, here's two examples you need to be aware of. The days of Noah and the days of Lot. Here's the characteristic of the people of those days. They simply live for themselves. Number uno, first me, I'm first. Don't care about anything else, especially God. They were living selfish lives, sinful lives. They were full of themselves instead of being full of God. And what happened? What did God do? He destroyed them. That was the days of Noah. That was the days of Lot. What about our day? 2 Timothy chapter 3 again says, but mark this, there will be perilous days in the last days. There will be terrible times in the last days. Again, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Are we there? Are we there? You better believe we are. And just as the Bible predicted, people today are becoming more and more religious and less and less godly. People today have a spiritual hunger, but they have little appetite for Jesus Christ. And when they do go to church in the United States of America, when they do walk into an average church on an average Sunday, the chances of them hearing the pure, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ is remarkably low. All over the world, there are vast portions of Christianity who no longer guard and love the pure faith of the gospel. Church, what we've done is allowed Antichrist to worm their way into our church and water down the good news of the gospel. And the Bible teaches, get this, the Bible teaches that almost at any time, Jesus Christ could come in the clouds to rapture his church. Signs of the times are everywhere. He could come back at any moment. True believers are going to be caught up with him into heaven, but the old apostate church will be left behind, taken over by the Antichrist. So here's the question. What in the world can we do about it? What can we do about it? I think our greatest responsibility today is to keep our own hearts as close to Jesus Christ as we possibly can. We must guard against drifting away from him. 
We must guard against backsliding. I don't know, I don't know if you read about those uh, men trying to circle the earth in a hot air balloon. They, they did well and, until they got on the other side of China. The, their goal was almost in reach. They almost made it until they sailed into a pocket of stagnant, dead air. And they stalled out. They hit what they called the doldrums. And their attempt failed. Guys, let me tell you, we must guard against stagnant air. We must guard against spiritual doldrums. And I think the best way of remaining faithful to God in a faithless world is to bear in mind how very, very faithful God himself is to us. God is faithful. Billy Graham in his autobiography, Just As I Am, talks about a time several years ago when he was dealing with a personal tragedy in his own personal life. His kids were rebelling. They were, they were doing uh, drugs and drinking and living a very wild and dangerous life. And, and looking back on that time, here's what Billy Graham wrote. But God was faithful. Well, that's awesome, isn't it? It caught my attention. But God was faithful. Because I know how faithful God has been in my life. And so it started me thinking, what, what else does the Bible say about, about God's faithfulness? And so I looked up a bunch of passages, and, and I've written a few of them down. I'd, I'd just like to read them to you. With the hope that these passages would encourage you just like they have encouraged me. For example, listen to this. The Bible says God is faithful. Can you say yes to that? God is faithful. Your faithfulness, O oh God, endures to all generations. Your commandments are faithful. He's faithful to us individually. Listen to this verse. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. I mean, God makes a promise. He's going to do good on it because he's faithful. He who calls you is faithful. The Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Listen to this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. A merciful and faithful high priest, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. I love this verse. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may bear up under it. Amen. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. One last verse. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. There's God is faithful. And I want you to know that in a faithless world, our God is faithful. So let's make it our determination. Before this faithless world... Let's be faithful to God. Let's live as if Jesus Christ could come back today. 
Because I'm here to tell you, signs of the times are everywhere. And as we look at all these signs of the times, let's keep in mind Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus said, now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Woo! Jesus could come back today, man. Jesus could come back today. And you know what? That would be okay with me. Except for the fact some of my friends aren't ready. I have a host of people that I pray for that are not saved. They're not right with God. And let me, let me tell you something else Free Will Baptists believe, and I believe it. If you're going to make it to heaven, you not only have to profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've got to live the life, man. You've got to flesh it out. You've got to live it. Are you living it? Do, listen, do you know for sure, 100%, that if Jesus did come back today, or if you don't make it through the day, you'll end up in heaven? Oh, preacher, I don't know that we can know that. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can know it. Do you know it? Are you sure you're saved? Do you know for sure your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? If there's any doubt, any question, I invite you to come to the altar. One of our pastors would love to pray with you and share with you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven.